0: can uh, see. Isn't it great to have Les and uh, Brennan They're able to do that? They did that, that on Thursday. And we'll get a few more Vox Pops hopefully over the next couple of weeks as we start looking at a number of different topics. Uh, it's great to be able to see what the street thinks and what people think. And it's great to hear what people think about heaven, isn't it? Uh, Because I think often we have these fuzzy ideas of what heaven is like. Uh, Unicorns, angels with wings, uh, a nice place, all these different things that run through our heads. And I think most of the time our idea of heaven actually comes more from Hollywood and art. Uh, Hollywood portrays all these different pictures of heaven and art throughout the history of this world has portrayed heaven in different ways as well. But actually, I don't think much of that has been very helpful because in the end, I don't think it's really brought us to where we know about heaven, which is in the Bible. You see, sometimes we think about heaven being a joke, don't we? We have St Peter at the gates. Oh, we have people sitting around on clouds playing harps with angels with wings and they're eating Philadelphia cheese. Well, can I say that I don't think heaven is anything like that at all, and I don't think the Bible talks about heaven like that at all. There's no St Peter at the gates, uh, and there is something far more glorious and attractive than what we've ever imagined. I think the way that Hollywood has portrayed it and our fuzzy ideas about it actually make heaven less attractive than what it really is. In some ways, it's something out there that we can't understand so that we don't look at it. But when we get to the Bible... It actually draws it and brings it back to here and makes it real and tangible. Something that we can get really excited about. It's not just a floating idea, it's something solid and real. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a look at what the Bible says heaven is like. Uh, we're going to do that having a look at a couple of passages. There are lots of passages in the Bible about heaven. But we're going to look at a couple that I think draw it together and focus us in on what it's going to be like Really. Not the Hollywood version, not the artistic version, but the Bible's version. So uh, you can follow along with me. You'll see that I'll be on the screen. We're not actually going to have one Bible reading today. We're going to have a number of different Bible readings because uh, we need to pick up on a couple of different passages to show exactly what this is like. So those passages will go up on the screen. If you've got your bulletins, flip over the back. You've got a bit of an outline there that will help you with it this morning. But uh, just so you don't have to try and find yourself all over the Bible, you can check out the screen. Uh, and we're going to have a look at a couple of uh, longer passages and a couple of smaller ones as well. And the first one we're going to look at is from Revelation chapter 21. So it goes up on the screen. Uh, as we read Revelation, we always got to remember what type of writing this is. That This is apocalyptic writing, it's symbolic writing. So, in one sense, it's not going to give you the tin-tacks of stuff, but it will give you symbolism that tells you what it will be like. So, keep that in mind as we read this. This is one of the the all-time great passages uh, about heaven. It's right near the end of the Bible, so it tells us a bit about what it's going to be like. Let me read it to you. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven, heaven and the first earth has passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God. I remember it's symbolic as well, so it's painting this big picture for us. But if you notice that actually heaven isn't actually up there. Heaven actually comes down here. Did you notice that? It's a picture of heaven coming to earth. The picture of God dwelling with us here. Now you notice too that it says that the first earth and the first heaven will be passed away. But I actually want to suggest to you that meaning by passed away doesn't mean going out of extinction. It doesn't mean completely obliterated. It actually means transformed and changed. You see in other passages when we read through the Bible we hear about this passing away and moving and being destroyed. But when we read them in the context and we read them here we notice that it's actually not a completely wiping out of what this world is, but it's actually a transforming of this world. It's changing this world completely. In a sense, it's getting rid of everything that is wrong in this world. Liz's uh, little children's talk was great, wasn't it? That's what it's like. The being changed, the passing away, is getting rid of everything that is evil and wrong with this world and removing it. Everything that taints this world will be gone. That's what it means by being destroyed. That's what it means by being passed away. The passed away doesn't mean going out of existence. It means being transformed and changed. Uh, We've had floods in this area in recent times, haven't we? And when we talk about floods destroying our farms, it doesn't mean that they've completely gone. It just means they've been changed completely, doesn't it? That's a bit like when we have a, a caterpillar It goes into its cocoon and then comes out the other side and is this beautiful butterfly. It's changed and transformed, but yet it still has a certain amount of continuity with it. There's a continuity that it was a caterpillar, but the discontinuity that is now this butterfly. And the same thing with heaven. There's a continuity of this earth, but a discontinuity as well. It will be changed. See what it says from verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. The old order of things has passed away. That's what the change is. The old order. Sin that entered into the world in Genesis chapter 3 will no longer impact this world. We'll actually return to Eden, to Genesis 1 and 2. If you read Genesis 1 and 2 in the Bible, that is the way that God wants us to be. Perfect relationship with Him, perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with the earth around us. The picture of Revelation 21, if you read the rest of the chapter, you can't help but pick up on the The allegory or the picture of back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. The river of life, the trees, the fruit. It's a picture of going back to the very beginning. But with a big difference, there's no longer just two people, but lots. That's why the city is there and not just a couple of people anymore. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is that heaven isn't this airy-fairy type of floating existence it's actually real and tangible and here on this earth completely changed and transformed forever well let me read you another passage that I think will confirm that a little bit more for us look at Romans chapter 8 verses 18 to 25 let me say at the end of this talk there's going to be lots of questions I think are going to be running through your head because there's going to be lots of things that are going to be raised and we'll give you five minutes at the end or maybe a little bit longer after the sermon today to actually ask some questions if you like because it's, uh, it's bringing up lots of things. Let me read Romans chapter 8 for you. It's up there on the screen. It says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice but by the, one, by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Sorry, for what he already has. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Notice especially verses 22 and 23 there. Uh, We'll be liberated. Uh, Verse 21, they'll be liberated from the bondage of decay into glorious freedom. It's like the groans of childbirth is this creation that we're in, bringing forth something new. Not something in place of, but something new will happen here the world will become heaven. It will be transformed. It will be God-soaked. It will be spirit-soaked. It will be Jesus-soaked. It will be sin-free, evil-free. It will be our home for eternity on this perfected earth. Now, does that give you something to be really excited about? Because sometimes I think about heaven, and when I've thought about it before, it's been too much out here, but it's actually going to be real and tangible. The great things of here and now will be there. You'll be able to enjoy this beautiful world that's been created. You'll be able to enjoy the lovely nature that is around us. You'll be able to enjoy the people that are about, but in perfection. You won't get down the street and talk to a bloke who says, I now have cancer. How real was that? You feel that, don't you? You feel the pain of that bloke knowing that it is unlikely that he's going to live that much longer. But that won't be there. You'll walk down the street and you'll see people and you'll say, G'day, it'll be fantastic. No more death, no more dying. Perfect relationships with each other. Perfect relationship with God forever in this glorious, fantastic world that he has made. You know those moments in this world uh, when you're sitting and you're watching a beautiful sunset or you're seeing your kids play and they're actually playing and not fighting and uh, you're sitting back and you're just watching it all happen and you think, ah, oh, I hope this never ends. Well here and now it does end. But in heaven, on this perfected earth, it will not end. The joy will not end. It'll be like that forever. In heaven, in this transformed world, it's going to be absolutely amazing. All the splendour, the beauty, the majesty of God's creation will be there. And we'll be able to look at Jesus face to face and we'll go, mate, that is some awesome work you've done here. And he'll put his arm around you and you say, how good is it? And how much better is it that we're here together? That's what it's going to be like. That is the picture that the Bible paints for us of heaven. It is the perfect Eden again with lots more people in it. Perfect relationships between us and God. Perfect relationships between us and each other. And perfect relationships between us and this world that we live in. We sing about it, don't we? We hope for it, we desire it. And it will be fulfilled here on earth that this heaven will be made perfect by Jesus. He is the one that brings it into being, and we will be there in bodily form, not some ghostly, floating, inanimate object, not real. We will be real people with real bodies there. Look what it says there in verse 23 Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly. Our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. We will have real bodies in heaven. You might be looking at your body and going, gee, I hope it gets transformed a little bit. (laughs) Well, let me assure you it does. Have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That'll go up on the screen as well. This is how it gets transformed. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just as a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body. He gives its its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish another. They are also heavenly bodies, and they are... And there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun of one kind of splendor, the moon have another, the stars another, the stars differ from star in splendor. So how has it changed? Look at the next verse, 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable will be imperishable. That's how we will be different. If sown in dishonor, we do stuff that are wrong, it will be raised in glory We'll never do anything wrong again. It's sown in weakness, we're frail. We can't do everything now, but we will be raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it was raised a spiritual body. Now when he means spiritual here, he doesn't mean some floating existence. He means going from a body that is not controlled by God to a body that is controlled by God. That's what a spiritual body is, going one that is tainted by sin and struggles with sin to one that is completely controlled by the spirit and does everything that God wants you to do that's what it means by a spiritual body it's a real body we'll have real flesh and bones and how do we know that even more because what did Jesus look like when he was raised from the dead he had a real body he ate he drank He touched and people could touch him. Now, it was different because it could move from anywhere to any place and walk through walls and do all sorts of amazing stuff like that, but it was still a body. It was the body that we're going to have. It's going to be real bodies that we've got, guys. And we'll recognise each other. We might not all be fit and taut and terrific like me. No. But we'll have bodies. We'll have the body. We'll know each other. We'll recognise each other. We'll look at each other and go, Ha! It's Josh! Good to see you, mate. Oh, Edna, you're not sick anymore. You're up and running around. I didn't know you could do 110 seconds. How impressive is that? It's just what it's going to be like, isn't it? I'll be able to look at my wife and say she's still gorgeous. How good is it? We will recognise each other because we will have bodies, real bodies. We'll be able to touch, we'll be able to hold, we'll be able to cuddle, we'll be able to love one another perfectly in this world that is perfected by Jesus. Now how good is that? That's better than floating on clouds, isn't it? That's better than playing harps. Who wants to play a harp? Some might, sorry. That's true. I don't. It's not that type of mystical, funny experience. It's real. It's real life. It's perfected life. That is what heaven is going to be like. Stunning, isn't it? It's a stunning picture. That is going to be our home for eternity. That is where we're going to live with Jesus forever. That is why in John 14 that Les read for us, in my father's house there are many rooms. It is a real place with lots of people there. Well, the question we want to ask ourselves, I suppose, is how do we get there? What's it all about? Do we go up and meet St Peter at the gate? No. Apart from all those jokes, they're good funny jokes, aren't they? But there is no St Peter at the gates. The only person you meet is Jesus. That is it. It's got nothing to do with how good we are or how bad we are. It's all to do with what is most important about heaven and what's most important about heaven is our relationship with Jesus. What's most important in heaven is what's most important here and now. What's most important there is that we'll be in his perfect presence relating with him always. And that's what we need to do here. Have a relationship with him. You see, the picture that I'm painting for you about heaven that the Bible talks about is the picture of heaven that happens after Judgment Day, the day that Jesus returns. When Jesus comes to this earth and gives final judgment upon it, the heaven that we're talking about is after that. You see, Judgment Day is the day when Jesus says he comes to separate the sheep from the goats. It's the day when Jesus comes to separate those who love him and those who don't. You see, Judgment Day is the day when Jesus will come and he'll give to people and he'll judge people according to what they have done. All those that don't love Jesus and didn't love Jesus here and now, they will come before him and he will give them exactly what they asked for, a life without him. They won't be in eternity. For those that do trust in Jesus, they too will be judged on what they have done. Don't get it wrong, guys. When you get to heaven, you are going to be accountable for everything that you have done. Now, that is scary and it is real. But the great hope is that if you trust and believe in Jesus, you will pass through that into an eternity in perfection. That's the great news. You'll pass through. You'll go through that into a glorious hope with Jesus. Now that's real too. Jesus' first when he came to earth is really only a preview to his final when he comes to earth. Can I encourage you, please, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, do that today. Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't think in the last three seconds of my life I'll do it. You may not have the last three seconds to do that in give your life to him today and know for certain, 100% sure that you will spend eternity with him on this perfected earth with all the rest of the people who love him as well. For those of you who do trust in him, who are already giving your life to him, can I urge you to pray for, to go out and love those, to go and tell those who don't know Jesus, to tell them of the wonderful heaven that awaits if they do trust in him. Because you'd hate them to miss it, wouldn't you? I'd hate my family to miss it. I'd hate my friends to miss it. And I want to love them and show them that Jesus wants them to be there with them as well. Don't let them miss out. Pray for them. If you don't see them much, pray for them. If you do see them, love them. Love them as much as you possibly can. And tell them why you love them it's because Jesus loves them as well and you want them to love him. So how does this understanding of heaven being transformed into this sin free, evil free, God soaked, Jesus soaked earth, transformed form with perfect real people in real relationships impact how we live today? How does it impact what we do here and now? Well, one is what I've said to you. You want to love people to show them that first. But there's another thing that we want to do. Look at two Peter chapter three verse eleven and twelve. I think that's about to flick up, Dave. So there's our definition of heaven. Uh, it's an earth that is transformed with perfected people who love Jesus in transformed and perfected bodies, enjoying perfect relationship with God each other on earth. So how does that impact what we do today? Click the next Monday or Josh. This is what Peter says. He says, in, if you want to go back and have a look at 2 Peter chapter 3, he talks about uh, the last days, he talks about Jesus returning and he talks about heaven and then he says this very verse. He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Doesn't, Peter doesn't mean just be good and you'll get to heaven. As we know, that's all about Jesus. But it's all about Jesus that gets us the key to heaven. But what he is saying is in light of the fact that you know about heaven, that it is a place where there is peace, love, purity, joy beyond compare, all those things that Les had up here earlier, then live by those values now. That's what it means to be living holy and godly lives. Live by those values now. Live a life of peace, a life of love, a life of purity, a life of joy. Live that life now. Be practising those qualities now. Be a sign of the kingdom now. Because it's only those qualities that will last. It's no use living any other way. Because those things won't last, but these qualities will last. Since home heaven will be the home of righteousness, live like your home already. That's what he's saying. We need to live lives now, like we're going to be at home forever. They say the best way to train uh, for a game, for a big game, is to train as if you are playing the game. So the best way to train for a game is to train as if you are playing the game. You play at the same intensity, the same focus, with the same drive. That's how we are to live here now. We're already in the main game, and we've got to live as though we're going to be home. We've got to live now as though we are there. We live this game like the main game in eternity. You see, in one sense, Christians are to be a taste, a sign, a glimpse, as if we're already home. A small glimpse of heaven here and now is supposed to be what we're like here this morning. That's a challenge, isn't it? We are to be a small glimpse of heaven together. We are to be a glimpse of heaven to our communities. We are to show that same peace, love, purity, joy to the people that God has placed around us. We are to be people who are spirit-led. We are to be people who live as Jesus, as our Lord. As we learnt last week, that's the key thing. We need to live as Jesus, as our Lord, as our ruler, to be committed to loving each other and loving God above everything else that we do. And I mean everything else that we do. Above our work, above our sport, above our societies, above our groups, we had to love God and each other far more than that. And that is to show how much we love him. And that is to impact the community around us. We're to move from giving lip service to Jesus to giving a life of service to Jesus. You see, when we squeeze a Christian, when you squeeze us, we should ooze Jesus. What a great hope we have. How does heaven impact us here and now? we had to live like we're home already. we had to play this game like the main game. And what else is it supposed to do to us when we hear about heaven? Well, I think a great benefit it does, it drives out fear. It drives out the fear of death and brings in a huge hope for eternity. And therefore we're to live lives in anticipation of our heavenly home. And when fear is driven out and our hope is in God and it overflows, we will have to live differently. You cannot live the same way if that is just permeating everything that you do. Our lives will show that our treasure in God is more precious than the fleeting attraction of sin. When we're so excited about the glory of God then we won't yield to the sinful pleasures of the moment. We won't be suckered into the advertising that the one with the most toys win. We won't devote our best energies to laying up treasures here on earth. We won't dream our most exciting dreams about accomplishments and relationships that will perish. We won't fret over the, the, what life fails to give us in marriage or wealth or health or fame. Instead of that, we'll revel in the wonder that the owner of the universe loves and has destined us for glory and that he is working unceasingly to bring us to that eternal kingdom. We'll live lives for the needs of others because God is living to meet our needs. We'll love our enemies. We'll do good. We'll bless those that curse us. We'll pray for those who despise us. Because our reward in heaven is great and we're not enslaved to the petty pleasures that come from returning evil with evil. All this flows from that unshakable hope in eternity. When you know the truth about what happens when you die and you believe it, then that truth sets you free. Free from the short, shallow, stupid, suicidal pleasures of sin. Knowing the hope of heaven can and will set you free to live for the glory of God and him alone. How good is that? Completely free to live a life that loves God completely, that loves each other completely, that lives to serve each other and serve God in everything that we do. That's what that wonderful hope in heaven heaven that is going to be the perfected earth the transformed earth where we're going to live in perfected transformed bodies in perfect relationship with god in perfect relationship with each other and in perfect relationships with this creation how good is that going to be let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, as we just take a moment to let a lot of that just uh, sleep in. So much, Lord, and uh, so often we, we talk about heaven, but we don't actually really think about heaven. So often it's a word that uh, flows off our tongue, but we don't really spend time delving into your word to see what it's really going to be like. Father, we thank you for your word and that you reveal to us a wonderful hope in heaven that we have. Thank you that you make that possible through your son Jesus and that when we trust in him Lord then eternity in perfection in your perfect creation transformed and changed by you is ours Lord forever. Lord we pray that we'll hold on to that hope that hope will drive us to live for you now drive us to love you more and more drive us to love each other, empower us to serve one another and give us a great drive, Lord, to want to see others come to know you too. May we never keep this wonderful picture of heaven to ourselves. Lord, encourage us by your spirit to share this with all those that you've placed around us. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.